I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is uh, Rob Howe, publisher of HawkeyeNation.com. Um, crazy times we're living in, and we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, record, recording this on uh, Wednesday, March 18th, uh, around 7.30 Central Time. Uh, this is the Hawkeye History Podcast, and I'm happy to be joined today by former Hawkeye cornerback, Jovan Johnson. How are you doing today, Jovan? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me on this thing, and uh, it's good to catch up with you. Always a pleasure to, to catch up with the Hawks. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll kind of do this con- chronologically, um, but just kind of hit on which, uh, what's going on now. You, you recently retired, correct, from the CFL? Yes. How many years did you play? Um, I, I played 13 years professionally since graduating from the University of Iowa in 2006. Wow, time goes fast since the time you were wearing that red suit in the post game locker room, and I was interviewing you, and uh, <laughs> that was fun memories, man. I always enjoyed talking to you when you were here. You were an exciting player to cover and watch. Um, let Let's start back then. Let's start before you got to Iowa, and kind of, uh, you know, Bob was here at that point, and. Um, you know, so there was somebody here from from Erie, Pennsylvania, your hometown, that kind of gave you a little bit of uh, you know a window into to what it was like moving halfway across the country. What was your recruitment like? How much attention did you get? What uh, what schools did you look at? And uh, you know, how how did Iowa come into the picture? If you remember, quite honestly, for me, I wasn't really receiving attention like I thought I would get. Um, a lot of times. There's many factors that go into it. Um, I made every play that I was supposed to make and a lot of plays that I probably shouldn't have. Um, but at the end of the day in high school, we had a great run. We had a lot of good players. My teammate, Lavon Rowan, was getting recruited by everybody. Mm-hmm. He was a state champion in track, you know, 6'1", 190-pound corner in high school. Ideally, an NFL prototypical size guy that everybody was in love with. Um, I kind of got overshadowed. Um, I had a lot of the local schools come in, uh, the Mercy, Mercyhurst, Edinburgh, Gannon, you know, Clarion, IUP, those schools. But, you know, as far as the big schools, getting attention from them 
was a stretch for me at first. Um, you would think that I would have been more recruited given the stats that I had uh, in my senior year with 10 interceptions, 20-something touchdowns, you know, led our team to an undefeated season as a quarterback, defensive back, returner. I mean, I did everything. I I don't think I've ever uh, in a season not come off the field until I was a senior. So um, I played every snap, every down, and um, – I got. I ended up getting recruited towards the end of my senior year um, by a few different small schools: Lafayette, um, you know, Richmond, some smaller schools. Um, Kent State ended up giving me an offer. That was the, my biggest offer at the time. Um, so Iowa came in, and they were recruiting my teammate. Um, my teammate, who was the other corner. He he told them that the only way he would go to Iowa was if they offered his brother as well. And uh his brother was our tailback at the time, Dawan Rowan, and uh and they didn't offer him. So he ended up committing to go to Wisconsin. And then that that same day I was in the office with this with the staff, um, uh, with the Iowa staff and I, I was just, you know, promoting and pleading my case and saying, <laughs> you know Who what? was in there? What coaches uh, were there? It was Norm, Norm and Phil Parker. Okay. <laughs> and then it was the two of us, the two defensive backs. Um, so I was in, in the room with him and I'm like, Hey, you know, I, if you guys offer me a scholarship, I'd come to Iowa, no problem. And, uh, I gave him my highlight tape. Uh, soon after I left out of that meeting, I went down, we had basketball practice and, uh, and coach Phil Parker came into our practice. And, uh, he picked his head in the gym and he, and he called me over. He asked me if I could dunk a basketball and I told him, yeah, uh, got a ball from one of my teammates, dunked it. He just walked out and I was like, <laughs> well, I guess, I guess not. So I figured, you know, maybe, you know, he wasn't impressed. So, uh, he walked out and then the next day they offered me a scholarship and, uh, and it was a week before signing day. I went on a visit to Iowa, and I loved it. Um, already having two eerie guys there, and Ed Hinkle and, and Bob Sanders, um, it was kind of a no-brainer for me because it was it was between Iowa and Kent State. Kent State I had verbally committed to, um, but I mean the opportunity that I had in front of me, I couldn't pass up. So that that that's how the journey began for me to get there. I uh I just looked up Levon Rowan and uh I won't get in I was if people want to Google it they can. I was just wondering what he was up to and that's that's not a good story at all. Yeah. Right. I mean I understand. He 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 did some things that I'm sure he's not proud of. Um, you know, we all go through things in life. You know, yeah. being a guy who I've been friends with since we were kids, since our our adolescent years, you know, he, he was a guy who you know, overcame a lot of odds. You know, we both went through so much as kids growing up and, you know, unfortunate circumstances came up after college, receiving a degree, having two kids, you know, ended up playing in the NFL for a short brief stint, uh, ended up getting released. I got him an opportunity in 2009 to come up and play with us in Canada in the CFL. And, uh, and, and he did well. He did quite well, but the coaching staff got fired at the end of the year. 
So, you know, they didn't bring him back with the, with the next coaching staff that came in. And, uh, and then, you know, life takes you places and, you know, you start doing things and he fell into, you know, the street life and ended up not being proud of, of the mistakes that he made. And he, he dealt with it and now he's home and, and he's doing very good for himself now. Good, man. That's good to hear. I'm glad he's, uh, we all, uh, we all have our, uh, our moments, you know, where things don't go our way and we don't make the best decisions, but I'm glad uh, things are working out for him. I may have even talked to him in recruiting, to be honest with you. I can't remember back then. I know I talked to a lot of you guys back then, but yeah. I can't even remember uh, if I had spoken to him. But I, I'm glad he's uh, I'm glad he's got things straightened out. That's awesome. Um, so if you remember, what was it like when you first got to Iowa? What was that adjustment like, both, you know, from an athletic standpoint? I mean, you played as a true freshman, so you were able to adjust pretty well there. Socially, being that far away from home, what was that like? Uh, for me, it was it was a transition. Um, but being a guy from Erie, Pennsylvania, I think we all are cut from a different cloth just because of the way we grew up. Um, you know, we we have that fire inside of us that we want to prove everybody wrong. So we always play with a chip on our shoulder. Um, I came to the school over the summer uh, going into my freshman year. So I came out before uh, before summer workouts and stuff and stayed with Bob. You know, we ended up um, we ended up kind of going through the playbook, learning the ropes there so that I would be ahead of the game come training camp. Uh, but, you know, we worked out with the team and, you know, I was able to be around the guys kind of to kind of kill some of that social anxiety. I wanted to get there early enough so that I can kind of get a feel for the guys and what they were like. Um, just because coming from Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, we, we just, we're different. Like we're built different and, you know, you, you just want to kind of build a relationship with other guys so that, that you don't rub them the wrong way. Cause we tend to come off that way sometimes with our, with our competitive nature and, just how our general makeup of who we are. Uh, so it was good. It was good for me because I hadn't been away from home, um, especially not that far away from home. Um, and then I haven't been around the guys that I was, I was fortunate enough to play with for a long time. Um, so it was a good, it was good for me, but, um, the transition was smooth. Um, I, the only thing that was kind of rocky was that I came to training camp about two days late. Because my flight got delayed and, and, uh, they had to send me all over the place just to get me to Iowa City. But uh, other than that, you know, once I got there, I was able to, to lock in, get my physicals done and get on the field and, you know, and, and just go out there and compete. I know Antoine was already, uh, you know, here. Um, what other, uh, what other corners were you competing with at that time? Refresh my memory. Um, when I came in, DJ Johnson was one starter. That's right. And then Antoine was the other. Antoine was going into his red shirt freshman year. So, you know, he was a young guy and DJ was a senior. Um, we had a couple young guys that had been in the program. Adolphus Shelton, mm -hmm. uh, uh, my roommate Richie Williams came in in my class. Um, whose uh, who's sister is married to Colin Cole for, there's a little trivia for people. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Chick Zay Ejiasi was there. Yeah, another name people will be familiar with in the Iowa community. Yep. So I mean, there there was there was some good players. We had a we had a bunch of good players there. Unfortunately, Benny Benny Sapp had just left, 
So that kind of opened a door for for a guy that came in in our class to be able to get that opportunity to play uh, because he would have probably been the, been a starter and Antoine may have been a nickel at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it kind of opened a, a spot for somebody to to come up and uh, and take it by the wings and and make the most of it. So what is I mean? You talked about being cut from a different cloth um, and just kind of the confidence you guys from Erie play with. Um, when you saw that opening, what was that like for you? And, and what was kind of the mindset of you when you saw that opening? Uh, you know, I was I was thinking, you know, why not me by any means necessary? That that was my that was my whole thing. Um, you know, I, I rubbed a few guys the wrong way, especially in practice and training camp as a as a true freshman. You know, guy with a with a grit about himself, guy with a, a confidence that you know I wasn't gonna back down from nobody. Um, I rubbed a couple guys the wrong way, but at the end you of talk, the day, you talking about receivers or guys in the defensive backfield? Oh, uh, receivers, everybody on the team. Because I <laughs> I I came in with the mentality that I didn't have any aspirations to be friends with anyone until I got that starting spot. So you know that kind of. You know, it kind of creates a little conflict between guys because guys, you know, guys that already have it made and guys that are already playing, you know, they feel like, you know, they don't want you to take their spot. So, you know, they they try to friend you and and try to get you to just relax a little bit and not go so hard. Uh, But I wasn't that guy. I was I wasn't I wasn't with the, the friendship thing until I was on the field. And you, I mean, the four-year window you played in here, Jovan, I mean, in addition to yourself, just, I mean, names that are just synonymous with Hawkeye football and Hawkeye defensive football. And you talked about Norm Parker and Phil Parker and, uh, you know, from, you know, what we've mentioned, Colin Cole and Aaron Campman and um, who else am I, you know, Babino Roth, Abdul, Chad Greenway. Um, what was that period like for you guys and that and being on that defense? Man, coming in as a freshman when you when you got guys like, you know, like Colin Cole and uh Bob Sanders and and all of those guys ahead of you uh just kind of leading the way, the way that they went to work every day, it was quite the thing to see because, you know, they were setting the standard for all of us young guys to follow suit and you know, as I got older and my career progressed, you know, I started to see myself start to take on that role and have to do that for the young guys that was coming in after us. Um, so it was, it was the standard was being set and it was, it was no, nobody was going to just hold your hand and, and baby you, you know, they were going to push you to reach your maximum potential. They were going to challenge you every day. And, uh, and I think that's the reason why the football program took off. Uh, during those years is because, you know, the guys before us, uh, before the 2002 season, that 2001 team, you know, they really set the standard, winning a bowl game and the Alamo Bowl and, um, and the things that they were able to accomplish and the team that they were putting together. It was definitely, it was definitely quite the, the team. So, uh, just to be a part of it was something special. Um, at what point in 2002, and you're obviously a young guy, did you realize something special was going on? Man, we started out the season <laughs> on fire. I mean, I mean, we won game after game after game. We should have beat Iowa State, but, you know, 
we had that game in the bag, but we kind of got complacent and they came back. Seneca Wallace ended up taking over the game and, and beating us 31-24. I remember it like it was yesterday, but the, in those first four games, to see how dominant we were as a team going out there week in and week out and not taking any prisoners and just going to work every day, knowing that we were going to kick your tail when we got out on the field. I think that was kind of the eye-opener experience for me, knowing that, you know, I was where I wanted to be and, and you know, this team was, was headed in the right direction and we were going to win a lot of football games. And then the next year, 2003, you know, again, you guys, you know, new quarterback, Brad's gone. There were plenty of changes. You know, Colin and Fred are gone. Abdul yep. and Chad are in. I mean, a lot of changes going on there. Uh, how did that season unfold? Man, I mean, defensively, you know, we knew that we had some some guys that we were going to have to replace. But at the end of the day, I thought with the young guys that we were replacing them with, they were extremely athletic and, and just, you know, ready and roaring to go get on the field and dominate. Uh, when you put Chad Greenway and, and Abdul in that starting spot at, at linebacker, uh, you insert uh, Babineau, uh, as a full-time starter, not just a rotation guy, and Matt Roth as a full-time starter, not just a rotation guy. You know, we 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 took on the challenge in that that second season, but we kind of we kind of did what everybody weren't expecting us to do. I think we dominated. That was probably my best year, uh, just based off of of stats wise, uh, because of all the guys that I had around me, the guys up front. That front seven was immaculate. We were dominant up front, and it allowed our back end to be to be special. And Bob, you know, being the eraser back there at safety, you know, kind of made it possible to make a lot more plays than I did, uh, just because he people were feared for their life going across the middle. <laughs> to catch the ball. Yeah, I remember talking. I think it was it may have been Fred Russell. I think it was Fred Russell said. He remembered young guys showing up at practice, just you know, young guys on offense, just saying, ah, "I don't, I'm not feeling so good today." When they <laughs> knew they had their practice against Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, 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 they made him wear a red jersey at one point uh, because he wasn't able to to tackle anybody in practice, just because of the fear that he put in the people when he come just run by you, even if he's not tackling you. Um. I remember the vibe going into that, that Outback Bowl. You guys had obviously didn't have the performance you wanted the year before in the Orange Bowl, but, you know, it just seemed like Florida was kind of disrespecting you, and you had Zook thinking that Kading was a running back. I mean, you remember what that prep was? You guys had to be pretty motivated for that game, and, and you, obviously it showed when you guys got to Tampa. Oh, we, we knew going down. Um, you know, it was, it was, everybody talked about the old, the almighty SEC and how good Florida was. It was never, uh, they never really said much about Iowa Hawkeyes. We didn't get no credit. It was like we were going into a place where we were just going to go out there. They were going to kick our tail and then we was just going to come back to Iowa City. But we knew that regardless of any of the outsiders views on what was going to happen, we knew that we could go out there and win that game, and we wanted to dominate to to uh, show the world that we were we were going to be a powerhouse for the next decade or so. And 
Um, and we went out there and, and we kind of took it to them. And I don't think they expected that. Um, and then you go in the 2004 with the, the, with another new starting quarterback. So uh-huh. your first three years, you had three starting quarterbacks. I didn't realize that. Um, uh-huh. but, uh, Rocky start, the Arizona State game was not fun. No. Uh, the game at Michigan, uh, you know, I think you guys started two and two. Uh-huh. And then, uh, then you didn't lose again, right? No, we, yeah, we started two and two. And then we ran the table and then ended up winning tie or sharing the Big Ten title uh that year in uh in That was the last Big Ten championship. Yeah. So we, we we started out, yep, we had a rough one in the desert against Arizona State. I mean I, I don't think anybody expected that to happen. None of our players expected that to happen. We went out there and they took it to us. We just felt like we got off the bus and, and nobody had any motivation to go out and just play our style of football it was like we were dead we were laxing days ago uh, we weren't executing we weren't we weren't hitting on all cylinders we were just out there and they were doing whatever they wanted to do and I think when we got back from that game you know we we had a conversation amongst just the players and said that would never happen to us again and you know we lost that game at Michigan uh you know some more unfortunate plays they made made a couple more plays than we did um but we knew that we were we were destined to do something special and we went on after that game and we just ran the table and we went out there every game knowing that we could win and that's what we did we didn't we didn't see ourselves losing another game similar vibe going into the cap one bowl with LSU defending national champ at, you know hearing all the SEC stuff again yep same the same vibe we came down you know, we knew we got it. We had LSU. You know, here they go again, the almighty SEC. And then we're like, we've been here before. Don't panic. Nobody panic. You know, we, they're just, they put their pants on the same way we put ours on. They put their pads on the same way we do. So we're going to go out there and we're going to, we're going to prove everybody wrong that, you know, we belong here. And they were the defending national champs and we knew that. And, uh, it was an opportunity again for us to make a statement and we played a hell of a game and it came down to the wire and boom, make a play, win the game. And, you know, that's one of those games that you, you never forget. And, uh, I think everybody in a Hawkeye nation, I uh, remember that game like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for me, just personally, I started covering Iowa football in 1997 in the, the, the window that I've covered that was the best defense ever in that window. I, I think it's the best defense of Coach Ferentz's era. Um, you just, I mean, the, the names speak for themselves, but what you guys did were able to do against LSU and, you know, outside of that Arizona State game, and, and that was early in the season, but you guys just got better as the season went on. Yeah, we we had some changes. We had some major changes. You lose Bob Sanders going into that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going to the NFL, you you lose all these high-profile guys that went on to the NFL, and then you know us replace guys with like you know Marcus Pascal, a safety that came in and started for Bob. Um, you know, you 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 name it. We had a lot of young guys again that were first-time starters that were getting out there on the field with the same mentality because the standard had already been set by those guys before them. 
that when they had the opportunity, they never wanted to get off the field again. And that's that's why we were able to come together so quickly is because all of us were practically the same age. I mean, we were classmates. We had came in together. You know, we hung out together all the time. So we kind of knew each other's personalities. Uh, we knew what to expect from one another. And it allowed us to gel really quickly. I think that that Arizona State game was an eye opener for us um, that we needed to get better. And I think that's why we got better every week after that. And we started to gel. And once we gelled, it was no stopping us. So where were you at when uh, Tate Holloway happened? I was I was sitting on the bench, actually, um, you know, with my head in between my legs, like, oh, here, here, here we go. Like game games on the line. Like what's going to happen? Like I saw Tate check it, check out of the call that he made uh, in the huddle. And then next thing you know, boom, like everybody's standing up like, oh my God, he's open. And then he throws the ball and I'm like, please don't get caught. Please don't get caught. (laughs) Once he caught the ball, I'm like, please just don't get tackled. And then he ran in the end zone. I think the whole team stormed the field, not even knowing whether the game was over or not. But we didn't really care because that was the biggest play that I've ever been a part of in all of my career of playing football. To to see it end like that, I I've never seen a game end like that in my entire life. You still get asked about that a lot. That game? No, actually, this is the first time I'm <laughs> talking about it. Probably probably since probably about ten years ago. <laughs> um. Then we move on to your your senior season and uh, had a lot of guys back, high expectations. Um, just some weird stuff happened. That game at Northwestern, I remember, just kind of was a weird game. Yeah. Um, how do you remember that year? It, it, it was up and down. Um, you know, we had some, some times where we were very good, and then we had some times where we were not so good. Um, just – a, a rough year. Uh, I don't think that we really met our expectations. Uh, definitely not from what the media or anybody had us uh, projected as, and definitely not what we had ourselves uh, projected as. It was just one of those rough years. You know, you, you go through some unfortunate situations, you know, some changes on the offense. Uh, it just it just didn't feel like the teams that have passed, but uh, we still had a, a team that I knew could win. And, uh, it was it was just kind of weird how it all played out, but um, you know I wouldn't change it for anything. You know we we had the the most success that we had in the four year period at probably ever at Iowa, and uh, you know we went to a bowl game again, and uh, and and it just kind of ended the way it started. Like it was a rough year, you know, and and you know we got to, to the game against Florida again, and then you know just we didn't play to the best of our ability. So it kind of ended the way it started that year. Important question was was Greenway offsides? No, he wasn't. <laughs> we, we could run that clip back a million times, and it was like he was dead on when he when he recovered that fumble on that onside <laughs> kick, and they they was they will not nobody will ever think that he was offsides. You can watch it a million times. I agree. Um. What is, I mean, to, to, to have those 17 career interceptions, Jovan, to be up where you are, you know, on the all-time list, what does that mean to you? I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It means a lot because, you know, constantly you get mentioned behind one of probably the greatest football player in Iowa history. And now, Kinnick, uh just being able to, to come close to accomplishing, you know, what he accomplished. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate and blessed to have played with the teammates and and under the coaching staff that I was able to play with for, for my entire four years. Um to be able to to make the plays that I was that I was able to make. Um if you go back and look at, you know, my sophomore year and, and the stats that I had, if I only caught the ball I probably would have broke the record in two years instead of instead of being one short in four. Because I had yeah. about I had about eighteen pass breakups in, in my sophomore year and six interceptions, but I probably should have had about twelve. Yeah, I remember did you have a punt return for a touchdown? Yeah, I did. It, it wasn't uh it was actually like uh, a broken it, play, wasn't it? I'm trying to remember the circumstances there. You tell me they went on uh they they lined up on third down and they quick kick with the quarterback. And I was covering the receiver and they they kicked the ball and, and he was running down to go down the ball gotcha. and the ball bounced at about the five yard line and it and it I was kinda running towards it and the ball and it bounced and it bounced right to me. So I was like, Get I'm a returner, why not? So <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody since high school knew that I returned kicks in high in high school uh besides me when I got the ball. It was like, well turn into a returner again and then, you know, after that scored on a ninety yard punt return <laughs> on a quick <laughs> kick and then I ended up being a returner after that at punt return. That's right. I thought there was something to that. I my memory kinda comes and goes, Jovan. I'm in my fifties now, so I don't remember things as well as I used to. <laughs> oh, it's all good. Um, what, uh, obviously we talked about the cap one bowl and, and it'd be tough to top the, how that game ended as a, as a memory, but what, what, maybe we hit on some of them just going down memory lane here, but, but what stands out to you, I guess, the most from, from being a player at Iowa, what, 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 um, you know, what's the fondest memory or meaning to, to being a, a, a Hawkeye? Man, it, it, the work ethic. You know, the, the blue collar work ethic, coming to work every day, bringing your lunch pail, you know, getting better every day. And, uh, you know, we, we still, you know, you, even though you don't think about it much anymore, cause I'm not there anymore, but our motto during that, that four year period was break the rock. Mm-hmm. And when you look back at it and you think about what that means to you, you know, it's just chipping away and just keep chipping away. Even when you don't feel like that rock's breaking at all, just keep plugging away and keep chipping away at it. And eventually you're going to, you're going to break through. Um, and that, that goes for everything, you know, that you go through in life. Um, you know, you might be dealing with a situation that, that just don't seem like it's ever going to change and you just got to keep, keep plugging away. You might not got the job that you wanted. Um, it was part of my career, NFL. 
Um, I didn't get to to play it in the amount of years in the NFL that I wanted to play. Uh, but I just kept working at it, kept working at it. Ended up going to the CFL and uh, played 11 years in the CFL, was the defensive player of the year, and, you know, the first defensive back in the history and who would have ever thought. Um, but at the end of the day, I just kept plugging away. And what I what I remember most about Iowa is, is the relationships uh, with the guys. You know, still to this day, I'm still friends with a lot of the guys that came in with my class. That we talk a lot, me, Richie, uh, Marcus Pascal, Clinton Solomon, you know, we all talk a lot. Um, still friends with all the guys that was there before me, Colin Cole ended up coming to my wedding. Um, and it, it was, it was just, uh, a, a relationships that, that last forever. Uh, we can, we, I just actually, I was out on the road recruiting, um, in Connecticut and I ran into Jamel Lewis. Jason Manson is the head coach at a at a prep school out there. Uh so you know those those relationships and those memories, you know, we get together and we start talking to football and you know sharing stories and uh I'll tell you one story real quick. Uh when I was in Connecticut visiting uh Jason Manson's prep schools, uh they had a clinic for for their recruits for their senior class and one of their players a receiver um was getting recruited by Indiana. And one of their coaches is Michael Hart from Michigan. Mm-hmm. So we're in there and I walk in and Jason's in there with the Indiana staff and, and then here comes me, this Iowa Hawkeye. <laughs> and immediately me and Michael Hart start going back and forth, kind of talking junk to each other about college days and, you know, and how Michigan was better than Iowa. And I was saying Iowa was better than Michigan. And, you know, those are the type of memories that you remember and, uh, and guys that you played against that you know, are now friends that you just look back and just think, man, we had a hell of a ride for those four years. Yeah, that's, that's cool that, uh, you guys still cross paths like that. Um, what, what did, uh, what did, what did both of the, the coach Parkers mean to you and kind of, you know, being there during your formative years and being able to learn from those two? Man, I mean, it was, it was crazy because, they both came in and to our high school and recruited me, um, just to see, you know, how everything kind of worked out and, uh, what they, what they were able to, to, to get out of me, um, just shows that, you know, football is, is a game where coaches make a valuable impact on a player. And even to this day, I talk to Coach Parker all the time. You know, I check on, check in on him, his family, his son, who's now, uh, on the staff at Iowa as a, as an analyst or whatever he does. Um, you know, it, it's crazy because you, you, you make those again relationships and, you know, he basically took me as a raw athlete from Erie, Pennsylvania, um, with a little bit of edge and a little bit of grit to turning me into a technician and keeping my, my grit and my edge the same, but changing my technique and it took me places that I never would have thought I would ever go with football. And, you know, I could never thank him enough. Norm, you know, his passing definitely, uh, left a mark in my heart. Um, cause he was, he was one of those guys that was going to challenge the hell out of you every day. He rode around on a golf cart and, and would light a fire under your ass if you wasn't doing what you're supposed <laughs> to do. Um, but that, that was the standard of our team. He was the standard 
for which our guys played. And that, that is one of the best memories that you could ever, ever think about when you think about Norman Field Park. Can you believe Coach Ferentz is still coaching? Absolutely. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time. It's, I mean, you think about, you know, 21 seasons at one school. I mean, you're, you're in coaching now, so you see all the turnover and things like that. Oh, yeah. What does it say about, about him that he's, you know, he's lasted this long? He, he, I think he's, he's one of the greatest football coaches that has ever graced the world when it comes to coaching. I mean, he's able to, to motivate. He's able to educate. He's able to, to challenge his players. He, he wins and he does it consistently on a year in and year out basis. Uh, if you think about from his time there, I mean, they might have lost some games in his early years, but over the, the last 15 to 20 years that, that I know of from Iowa football, I mean, they, they've been in the thick of things every year. I mean, they win, they win, they win, they continue to win and they just keep getting better. I mean, you know, it's crazy to, to think that he's been doing it for so long and just winning at such a high level for so long, but, you know, knowing knowing Coach Ferentz, you know he he's a hell of a coach, and and you know I don't expect anything less than that from him. Do you think Brian would be a coach? When I was a player, I probably wouldn't. I would have never guessed that Brian would be. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know you played with him. I didn't know if you saw tendencies then that said, "Ah, eh, someday he's going to coach." Uh, I mean, I knew he was smart. I I wouldn't I don't know you know you you never know when a guy's gonna be a good coach or not um, until he gets into it and and then you see the impact that he's able to make with the players but uh, I knew he was smart as heck you know he could call out all the calls at center and and make all the checks and everything knew where everybody was supposed to go so I guess if you if you are able to to do that uh, not only that he was learning from one of the best offensive line coaches around and his dad so. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I guess he had coaching pedigree as as a player. So, uh, you know, I didn't think about it much, but uh, now I think he's going to be a hell of a coach. You've had, you had such a, a, a consistent and, you know, exceptional career in, in professional football, you know, in the CFL. What, what does that mean to you to be to have been able to do that? And And I saw – I know you signed the one-day contract so you could retire with Winnipeg, correct? Yes. Um, you know that when when that happens, that's usually a, a a pretty big sign of respect that you had an impact. Um, how do you look back at that? I mean, uh, you have to be proud of, of what you were able to accomplish. I mean, I am. I'm I'm extremely proud. Um, again, because you know I I just kept plugging away, breaking the rock every day. And, you know, a lot of people kind of overlook me, uh, just because of my size. I'm not, I'm not the most gifted, uh, when it comes to, to speed, uh, but I never really got beat much, um, because my technique was always, uh, on point. And I thank Coach Parker for that. Um, but also Coach Doyle, uh, in the weight room and I were being able to, to make the gains and the strides that I was able to make. Uh, helped me at the pro level because I was faster and quicker. I was definitely quicker than 90% of the guys that I was playing against. And, um, 
you know, my my being a student of the game mentality came from Iowa, uh, studying film, studying my opponent, knowing what they would do before they did it. Um, that helped me tremendously throughout my professional career, because even as I got older and, you know, I wasn't as fast and not gifted athletically as as I once was. I was still able to make all of the plays that I was making when I was a young player uh, because I studied the game and I knew what to expect and I knew what was going to happen before it happened. So, um, you know, it was it was a great run, you know, being being able to, to accomplish what I accomplished in the CFL. Um, I don't think if you asked me 12 years ago uh, that I would play 11 years in, in CFL, I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> but I mean, I was able to do a lot, and I, and I thank all of the guys that gave me opportunity to to be able to do it. Did, did, was the goal to to uh, coach when you retired, or, or did that come just come about? It came about, you know, as a player as I as I got older, um, being able to to mentor so many of the young players that I was working with um, that I because I had to adjust. You know, being a, a veteran in the room and and playing with all rookies, you know, it's kind of it's kind of tough on you because uh, you got to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing uh, in order for you to play at your optimal level. So, um, you know, mentoring those young guys that I mentored and seeing how far they come along, and you know, all of them always would hit me up after I left and say, "You're the greatest of all time," uh, just because of of the impact that I made on them and teaching them how to study film, teaching them, you know, that football and at the professional level is more than just partying and hanging out. You know, you got to put the work in. And if you want to win, you got to put the work in. So, um, you know, I was able to, to bring along some very good athletes uh, that would ask for my help and my guidance. And, you know, and I would just kind of take them under my wing and show them how to, to get it done. And they went on to become all-stars and get paid a lot of money and, uh, and make some plays. So, um, that's when I knew that coaching was probably for me, uh, because I was able to, to get the most out of professional guys. So I was like, well, if I could do it with a professional, I know it. I could do it with a guy that, that's, you know, a sponge who's willing to listen and learn. And you are now the defensive coordinator at Defiance College. Tell us about that gig and kind of what it entails. And, and you talked about being out on the road recruiting. That's gotta be, uh, it's gotta be interesting. Oh yeah, I mean recruiting is is first and foremost, you know, it's the biggest part of the job, the biggest requirement that we have is to recruit. Um at this level, you don't have the luxury of, you know, only recruiting 30 guys and being able to build a relationship with those 30 or or 40 guys uh cuz you're going to get five or six of them and, and each coach on the staff, you only have to bring in three or four. So, I mean, we don't have that luxury. We have to bring in as many players as we can at the division three level. So recruiting is a major part of it. Um, I got here really fast to be in the defensive coordinator. Um, but that's just a testament of, of how I, I, um, how I go about business on a regular basis. Um, I'm all about, you know, making the players, holding them accountable, uh, challenging them and, and, and still in discipline in my guys, because, you know, at the end of the day, if you if you can go out and play with extreme effort and discipline, you know, no matter how talented you are, 
those just those two characteristics will limit a lot of big plays. And if we limit the big play, we can win games. So that's one thing that I, I always tell the players. Um, being a coordinator uh, wasn't something that I had envisioned. Um, but I had two defensive backs that was all conference, even though we went one and nine last year. Had two DBs be all conference. Probably could have had four, but, um, you know, we, we started out kind of slow. Um, ended up the first six weeks giving up 50 points or, or more each game. Um, and then I ended up taking over our previous defensive coordinator got fired. Um, I took over the last four games. I made some adjustments, changed some things, tweaked some things. And then we went from giving up 50 plus points a game to giving up less than 13 in the last four weeks. So, I mean, coach believed in me enough to, you know, he, he went through about 120 candidates for the defensive coordinator position and then ultimately came back and said, um, I went through all those guys, but I have the right guy for the job right here on staff right now. So he offered it to me and I, I accept it. Um, now I have to kind of run meetings. I have to, you know, know the defensive line, know what the linebackers are doing, know what all three position groups are doing, uh, just in case I have to correct something or, or teach something and, you know, making sure that the coaches are all on the same page, making sure we all using the same terminology when we're talking to our players. Uh, it's, it's a lot of things that go into a game planning. Um, now I have to, I created our defensive philosophies and, and, uh, and the, the things that we're going to run defensively. So, uh, it's all, it's all new to me, but, uh, I've been around football for so long and, and played for some of the greatest coaches uh, that anybody could ever ask for. So, uh, it, it kind of comes to me as second nature. Your vocabulary isn't as colorful as Coach Phil Parker, is it? It depends on, or it depends on the day. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends on the day. When, when I get pissed off, you know, I, I'll be a, I'm a mirror image of Phil. So, you know, I, I will let you know about it and I will not hold back. So, um, but I try to, I try to keep it bottled up. I try not to, to get too crazy. Um, because that's not what it's about. I mean, but coach Parker, we knew what to expect from him and, uh, and he challenged us in a different way that some people, you know, might not be able to accept, but uh, especially with the kids nowadays, it, it might rub them the wrong way. Guys be ready to enter the transfer portal. <laughs> How about family life, man? Are you married, kids, things like that? I was married. I got divorced, unfortunately. Uh, just we were, we were at two different places in our lives and, uh, it didn't work out. So, you know, we moved and we moved on and went our separate ways. I did. I do have a kid now. Uh, my daughter actually just turned one today. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, I have one kid, a one year old daughter named Ari Johnson. So, um, yep, uh, that's about it. I'm single and just working on this coaching. Well, we appreciate you joining us on, on your daughter's birthday. Now I know why we, that you were kind of busy today and I'm sure you have stuff going on with, uh, with your job as well. So we, we really appreciate you joining us for this podcast, Jovan and catching up with you and going down memory lane. And, uh, it's great. It's great for me to, to go down memory lane and, and remember all these times with you guys and, um, see you guys kind of 
go through your lives and uh, have success. And, and you've had a ton of success, and it's uh, it's you know it's something to be proud of. Um, I'm very thankful for you know for the University of Iowa and the coaching staff there, and you know the, the teammates that I had, and you know even the support staff, everybody that, from the trainers to you know the coaches, the the academic support staff, and and all of those guys. You know, I remember so many, so many people helping us out. Uh, Marvin Sims, you know, yeah. and guys like that, you know, people being in our corner that, you know, when you come from where I come from, you know, just a little bit of, of support and a little bit of love goes a long way. And, uh, and, and you appreciate guys like that for a lifetime. So, you know, I'm very thankful to the University of Iowa. And, uh, if it wasn't for, for the coaches that I had and, and the people that I had in my corner, you know, it would have been tough to accomplish what I was able to accomplish. And I know I can speak for Hawkeye fans saying that uh, they're thankful that uh, you became a Hawkeye and gave them a lot of great memories. And, um, again, we appreciate you joining us tonight, Javon, and uh, it was great catching up with you. Be well, man. Good luck in uh, your career, and we'll be following. Uh, no problem. Hopefully I come back and join Hawkeye Nation, uh, get on that staff over there, then I'll be back in, the, in Iowa City. And uh, and I'll be able to catch up with you guys a lot more. That would be awesome, man. When you do, um, we'll definitely get together. Hey, no problem. Have a good one. Thanks, man. You too. All righty.